There's a mystery to untangle Using comedy as our angle We'll reveal the quest of a special guest With a little jesting We'll be demystifying the expert Using laughter as our guide Demystifying the expert Till our questions have been satisfied And the expert has been well demystified so thank you all for coming to the very first event in a series of four that are going to happen during the academic year under the umbrella called Demystifying the Expert, which is, as we advertise, the comedy show. Uh, but you've been induced in error because it's not just your normal comedy show. It's a comedy show on the plate of which we serve science. So, so programs like this would not be possible without the generous support of people who understand the power of educating the world and how science works and why it matters. And for this, we are very, very grateful. We are particularly uh, grateful to Mr. Edward Bryce, whom we, don't, we know very little about. But he is one person that had believed in this program and had made a generous donation to make this happen. We also would like to thank the College of Math and Science, and we also would like to thank the Department of Physics and Astronomy. We're gonna get started in a second. But before we do, it's not, it's not just science. It's, it's on a plate of comedy, but okay. Well, we are two physicists. We are from the Physics and Astronomy Department. My name is Klebert Feitaza, and I blow bubbles for a living, believe it or not. Okay. And uh, the other host? It's Anka Konstantin, an astrophysicist who is just trying to weigh supermassive black holes in galaxy centers. All right, we have a... Uh, and just so you know, it's a comedy show, but the comedy is not going to come from this part of the room. But you can still laugh, right? Uh, so we have our panel of comedians. They are the new and improved. This is a uh, locally uh, based comedy group. And we Organically have... Organically grown. <laughs> and we have uh, Shelby, <laughs> Macy, <laughs> and Nick. All right, so uh, as uh, announced through the title of the show, uh, we're going to have a mystery expert to demystify tonight. That is, there is some science behind uh, whatever you try to get from in the classroom from uh, these professors that you meet in your class in your classes so today uh it's our pleasure to introduce for you professor chris rose hello thank hello. you very much uh, a few words about him not too many because we're gonna have to demystify him uh professor chris rose has been at jmu since 1997 it's just like yesterday uh, uh, he came here after a postdoctoral fellowship at uh, Dal University. Does anyone know what that is? Dalhousie University, and that is in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, uh, he got his PhD and an AM degree from Harvard University, and that was after his uh, BS. Uh, Professor Rose gets his BS from uh, got his BS. From, uh, from McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, and a Master of Science in, uh, from the University of Victoria in British Columbia. A uh, few more words. Professor Rose wrote numerous scientific papers on what he's studying, and he is greatly invested in making the public aware of the types of things he is expert on. Of course, I wasn't gonna tell you what those are, all right? 
Game number one. Game number one, the 20 question guessing uh, style game. You have to find out what Professor Rose does when he's not teaching in the classroom, when he is in and, his. And of course, you all know from the advertisement that he's coming from the biology department. So that's not kay. something for grabs, for now, guessing. You're going to have to try to find out with those questions that need to be answered with yes or no only. Th that's the rule. Yes or no only answers. Okay. 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 All what right. Take it away. What kind of biology our expert is doing? Fire away. <laughs> Do you work in a lab? Yes. Point. Do you have animals? Yes. Oh wow. <laughs> Do you have plants? For research, no. Are these plants in your home, growing on your walls? Uh, <laughs> yes the, or no? The plants that are not intentionally <laughs> part of my research, no. <laughs> are your animals also pets? No. They have been in the past, the distant past, but not uh, for a long time. Follow-up question. Are animals harmed in any research that you perform on them? Yes. Um, Follow-up. Most, up. most <laughs> biology in arms, animals, and plants, unfortunately. Follow-up question. Do you feel morally okay with that? Yes or no? Jeez. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. Um, is this for the purpose of makeup products? Thankfully, no. <laughs> Do you give the animals names? No, not for many, many years. Are they mammals? They are not. Reptiles? No. Amphibians? Yes. <gasps> oh. Point. You should feel free to do that. Oh. <laughs> Just a hint. Do, uh, do you work with Petri dishes? Yes or no? <laughs> in yes, any form? <laughs> but not in a very big way. Yes. Uh. <coughs> Microphone. What did you use to name the pets that you named in the past? Uh -uh. That's yes uh, or no? Unless the name of the uh -oh. pet is yes or okay. no. <laughs> that's that for the next round. <laughs> yeah, okay. Keep that back. Do you have a cool microscope? <laughs> Several cool microscopes. Awesome. <laughs> With a lot of money. Awesome. <laughs> do you have frogs? Yes, I do. Yes. Do you, or, do you or study frogs? Yes, I do. <laughs> oh. But I guess we have to know a little bit more specific. Are yeah. they green right. frogs? <laughs> no. Are they big frogs? Not very big, no. A tree frog? No. No, that's green. <laughs> Do you study only frogs? No. Do okay. you know any other type of amphibian that yes, is not a frog? I kinda, yeah, I know, know them all, not individually, but I kind of am familiar with the three groups of do amphibians, yeah. Do you work with salamanders? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the reptile. Wow. <laughs> Maybe I should. Do you, do you cut them up? The frogs and the well, salamanders? Well, I mean, to answer this humanely, I have to say yes, but after they're dead, you know? <laughs> you know, I That's can't just do a yes. It makes me look I like a monster. I appreciate that. I appreciate that specification. <laughs> yeah. After they've been properly euthanized by IOCook standards. Do you, do you euthanize them? Yes, I do euthanize them. Yes. <laughs> Do you euthanize them by cutting them up? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no. Is it peaceful? 
<laughs> Do they get hurt? Parts of the research are very peaceful and, and calming for me. Um, and most, <laughs> I think most of the research, uh, most of what I do with them until they're dead is pretty calming and peaceful for them. Okay, I think it, it looks like we're moving, moving <laughs> on. We are, we are getting pretty close, but you have one yeah. more question, yeah. right? Away one more, a oh, one total. Is it a yes or no answer to it? Oh, God. Uh, you had so um, many. Right? Okay. Um, you can't mess this up. Right. <laughs> um, okay, all right, it's coming to me. Um, okay, do you use your cool microscope on the cut-up Amphibians. Yes, definitely. Cool. All, All right. right. Yeah. So I, All right. I definitely know. So uh, maybe now would be a good time for a, a summary. A little bit more of yeah. an explanation. From um, the we call we call this part the elevator speech, which is where you're gonna synthesize. You give a picture. Yeah. You're gonna okay. need to pretend that these are uh, what's that show called the the sharks, and they're gonna uh, provide to you make with, a the, pitch? with the funding. Yes. Okay, I have to make a pitch yes. for sure. why. <laughs> why I do what I do. Um, I study amphibians uh, to learn about their development and literally from the time they're embryos all the way through their growing as tadpoles and larvae swimming around in water and then they're metamorphosing into something very different that crawls out of the water and lives on land and, and breathes, moves, eats entirely differently than it did. So amphibians allow you to see how all the different organs can change in the middle of life. And that also, it can be studied on many levels, how the hormones control these changes, how the genes uh, that uh, produce the changes happen at a molecular level, how all that happens at a molecular level. It's also, I think, more, um, what I'm really interested in is how all the differences between species have evolved. So development and evolution of amphibians focusing on skeleton and lungs right now. Do you know uh, all the genes, the, the entire genome of the creatures that you They see? have sequenced it, but I'm not a big molecular biologist. I came at this from a comparative morphology viewpoint. And mm -hmm. so while there's people studying lung development um, and producing papers about the genes that are on in the lung tissue, uh, they got the morphology wrong, and I have to get my research out there to try and fix the picture. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. As you can see, the jargons uh, coming fast and furious, piling up. <laughs> yeah, so okay. maybe maybe yeah. our panel can try to come up with some new questions about that. They don't have to be yes or no anymore. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, just because I've been saving this for a couple of minutes, what did you use to name your frogs? <laughs> um, See, I always worked originally on salamanders, and then when my kids were really small, we, we could take these salamanders that never metamorphosed. They would always stay aquatic, larval, and we could add the hormone and change them. And I brought some of those home as pets for my kids, and uh, they were named Sammy, and I can't remember what the second one was. And, um, but we had them for years. We was actually it brought them. Uh, Mandy, um, like, maybe like as in Barry Manilow, Mandy. Mandy. Yeah, I, I <laughs> or like Salamandy. Oh. <laughs> I honestly can't remember, but Mandy would have been good had we uh, 
thought about it, yeah. Oh, that's so. so how many frogs or salamanders do you need to kill per year for your research? Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is a difficult question because I now have to explain this to a committee almost every year. And that's what they want to know. They don't want to know, you know, and the problem is the animals you keep in the lab, to get eggs and embryos, you have to inject hormones. And you can't control how many eggs or embryos you're gonna get. You could get literally 20, 30, I don't know whether this just died, you could get 20 or 30 eggs or you could get 8,000. Uh -huh. And if you have 8,000, they start growing and you have a tank filled with 8,000 tadpoles becoming frogs and once they're frogs, you can't do anything with them. And I guess I really shouldn't go on with this story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to get myself to, in trouble. I don't know who's in the you audience. We need to hear you know? the whole truth tonight. <laughs> tonight is the night. We're going to need to hear it all. What you want? Well, okay, I mean, if I was raising fish and they needed to be fed feeder goldfish, you'd go to a pet store and get feeder goldfish. If I have hundreds or thousands of little froglets or tadpoles that I can't use, I just give them back to the adults and let the adults do what they want with all them. All right, that's good enough <laughs> for so, us, I guess. So what's, what's the output? I mean, is this all worth it? All is killing. What's, what's the... Okay, well, it's not worth it to make makeup to put in your, uh, you know, put on faces, but if I'm learning about how um, cartilage cells divide and how cartilage cells uh, create the shape of cartilage, and we have to know about how to repair parts of our body, uh, ears, nose, whatever. You, uh, the more we know about how cartilages behave in other animals, the more we can apply that science to, uh, to basically uh, solving biomedical problems, which is really a cop-out answer because the reason I'm doing it is because I'm interested in the evolution of amphibians. And I'm really interested in the shape the shape of skeleton and how skeleton changes shape as an animal grows. We all change the shape of our skeleton. We don't know very much how that happens during growth. We don't have a metamorphosis. Amphibians have growth and a metamorphosis. It's really interesting to study them for that reason. It's great. So. We're going to learn about various aspects of this research. I'm sure there are questions, it looks like. More questions. Uh, are you are you familiar with the uh, cereal brand Honey Smacks? No. <laughs> uh, are you f okay? Well, their mascot is a frog whose name is uh, Smacky, I think. Okay. Have you done research on the Honey Smacks frog? <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm sorry. I actually have a, a talk that I've given on the the popular history of amphibians, how amphibians have been used throughout history. Um, there was a, a French king around the time of uh, Louis XIV who had salamanders as his emblem all over his castle. You can go there in France. Uh, all over his castle there are salamanders in fire. People believe salamanders uh, lived in fire. They were <laughs> born in fire. They lived in fire. St. Augustine wrote about it in his Confessions book, if anybody there has to study this. I, I, was, so, in a, I was in a fire last week. There were a lot of salamanders. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's that's part of uh, there was um, of course the uh, the Muppets were big when I was much younger and that's you know right. that was the frog there Kermit the frog so yeah so what is what is your daily routine in the office in the lab look like um, I check on animals and sign a form to say that I check on animals okay um, 
Do what? they do they have to sign like a release form? <laughs> okay, Greg signs. Yeah, I checked Del- I, I signed Yeah, you sign one form, I sign another one. They they check yours, they don't check mine yet. <laughs> so um, the uh, I when I d- describe a good day um, when I can do research, it's uh, I've I've prepared, done an experiment um, or I've finished an experiment. Sometimes experiments run weeks or months, and if you are working on animals every day for that period of time, when you get to the end of an experiment, it's a big relief, even though they're going to die. It's a big relief because you know you will get data. But then we make microscope slides, and I'm now teaching students how to make microscope slides out of those those tissues, those animals, and um, the practice of sitting. I can't use this word because it might come up later. All right, don't use it. Yeah, <laughs> Avoid it. Sitting Avoid there it. doing something yeah, that well focuses prepared. all your attention for hours, and you can listen to radio, music, whatever, but you're totally engrossed in what you're doing. It's just hand-eye coordination. That's very, very therapeutic. That takes you far away from all of the stresses of teaching when people aren't understanding what you're trying to teach, or faculty work, I, I committee work part. when that's not going anywhere. and. Uh, Every other worry when you can focus on something that's just very manual and uh, and also when you get something right to the end and you have good results, that's always very satisfying. Um, I have two questions. One, you mentioned the term froglets before. Yes. Um, how large would you say a froglet is? That big. Most of the animals I work with are larval for about uh, two, three months. And that's uh, about how big they're going to get as they transform. But I also have some, um, I have some tadpoles in the lab, and I'm trying to get more. They're from Argentina. They're the biggest tadpoles in the world. And oh, wow. the body is about this size. Oh, the my God. The animal would be that size. <laughs> wow. And the weird thing about it, their name is Pseudus paradoxus. The paradoxus, it's because they appear to shrink dramatically so that the frogs are smaller than the tadpoles. So that's why they have that name, and that's also why I want to get more of them and study wow. them. Yeah. Um, second question, um, which do you prefer slash think are cuter, salamanders or frogs? Oh, it has to be <laughs> salamanders. Um, salamanders are much more zen, much more, you know, they don't do much in life. They're just <laughs> sitting out there enjoying themselves. And um, you have to know where to find them to catch them. They're not easy to find, but uh, they just don't do much, but they look great and they have this nice their body has this nice s shape and that's what you look for when you're out there in the stream sitting in a stream looking for salamanders how would you describe the locomotive pattern of a salamander all right macy you three straight questions hey you guys (laughs) talked over me like three times already so all right then we're my turn for a while i just want to know how a salamander gets around okay i think on its legs macy i think that's fair not well actually that's 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 a good point I mean, the question is much more tail than, the answer is much more tail than it is legs. There are some that have tiny legs, and it's a mystery as to what they even use the legs for, because they're so small they can't touch the ground. Maybe just high fives. High fives, yes. Uh, Salamander high fives, they'd have to be pretty low. The the frogs are working, hard-working creatures. Salamanders are the Yeah, you hear frogs. Frogs keep you up at night if you live near a pond. Um, frogs are always out there doing things, catching the insects and uh, jumping away from you and stuff. Yes, we're going to do game number two t- tonight. Uh, we have uh, 
The game is called the Tad News. So it says, Devil Frog vomits up oh, oh, a new okay. ant species. So, so here's the thing. Uh, because ant-eating frogs go hunting for bugs in tiny and hard-to-access places, the scientists use them as a tool to go where they can't go. And so by capturing a wild frog and flushing their stomachs, the, amphibian, uh, the amphibians vomit whatever is in their bellies. And this is how a new ant species was found. It was dead, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. it was no, nobody dead. said it was not dead. OK, because frogs do yeah. strange things. Sure, but, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> but it was a new, okay. a new species okay. of, of wow. birds. That's, that's impressive. Although there's so many ants out so, there. So the question is, uh, frogs, they eat mainly insects? Is that? Yeah, most frogs are, are uh, carnivorous going after insects. Another, um, besides this Argentinian one with the giant tadpoles, we're trying to get hold of African bullfrogs. And I've raised them once from small tadpoles. They get through their tadpoles uh, stage in about a month. I had five little froglets one day in a small aquarium. The next day there's four, the next day there's three. Mm. Those are cannibalistic, okay? Oh and I mean, one just has to be a little bit bigger than the other oh before boy. it'll eat it. And then it's a lot bigger than all the others and so it'll have its choice. So they're cannibalistic. There's ones down in Argentina that are known, they're in the tall grass. They're horned frogs that you can get through the pet trade industry. They've been known to take chunks out of a horse's nose, okay? Oh, wow. A horse grazing in tall grass can have a, this thing bite and take a chunk out of its nose. So that's how carnivorous they can be. So can you imagine what kinds of things come out of the bellies of those frogs? <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's go to the next one. The next one is... We have three um, pieces of news. Okay. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, blank, our playing role in frog disease spread. Ponds. Yes. That was Garden the obvious ponds. <laughs> Garden, Garden ponds. Garden ponds. Wow. Garden ponds. So the news comes from the BBC News, published on September 28. It says that uh, they have found that there is a, a virus that spreads in southeast of England. And when they studied how this uh, virus was spreading, it's spreading uh, from animals that go from one pond to the next. And as a result, the frogs are being killed. And they have lost 80% of the population of frogs in, in some places because of the spread of this virus wow. in those garden ponds. Are frogs very susceptible to viruses? How, how uh, is that? Well, are yours getting see, uh, No. Mine's pretty robust. Mine's a trash species. I mean, the type that is out there all over. Reading the books, they say it's in just about every body of water that exists in, in South Africa. So my frog's pretty resilient, but um, amphibians all around the world are under assault from all kinds of diseases, um, mainly chytrid fungus, um, uh, which is not a virus, it's a fungus, and that's wiping out all kinds of tropical populations and uh, different species all around the world. And um, the other thing is there's deformities in natural populations, they think there's ultraviolet light or, or uh, toxins in water bodies all around the, the country that are causing lots of uh, populations to have, animals have extra legs, they don't uh, develop uh, their body parts normally, they're um, really 30, 40% incidences of malformations. So mm -hmm. um, amphibians are really in a lot of trouble and it has to do with the fact that they live out there with very thin skins in water 
Whatever toxins get into the water, get into them. So we, we are not, yeah, this is with uh, game number two. We are now moving to game number three. Are you ready for it? Okay, now we have listened a little bit of our expert. What we want you to do is to guess uh, some words here. So I'll ask some my partner here to tell us a little that bit. Is, okay. that is used in, uh, in the scientific research. And you know, many terms we use in our day-to-day -day language end up being used quite differently in a, in a scientific language. So take, for example, words like cleavage. What do you think that is? Uh, it has to do with the uh, with rocks. I know. With rocks. Yeah, it's like the it's it's angles or something that has to do with rocks, right? The break in angle. In Dr. Rose's research. Oh, in Dr. Rose's research. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I hear that uh, frogs have ample breasts. <laughs> <laughs> In some places. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It's with bones, skeletons. They're like rocks. If they're broken, they have cleavage. <gasps> Wait, right? No, not, not really, it, no. Is it, cut, is it more cutting things? Cutting, like, no, into things? Uh, not something that um, the scientist does. Oh, is it, does it have to do with... Um, the cycle of the tadpole turning into a frog? Yes, um, but you have to expand that to the entire life of the frog. Okay. <laughs> Any more guesses? So it's not like when it peeks out of the egg? It's earlier than that. Well, they hatch, but it's, it's earlier than the hatching. Okay, good. So what's earlier than hatching? Conception. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we call that fertilization. Yeah, yeah, that's. Yes. But it's actually shite. Yes, go ahead. I mean, now I think yep. uh, we've gone as far as we can. The <laughs> cleavage is is when you take that one egg cell that's got the sperm in it, and it divides into two daughter cells, and the two become four, and the four become eight. And the point is that. At all other times in your life, when cells are dividing, the cells keep growing, and that's how you grow. But at this point, you're just a ball, and each cell stays half the size of the parent cell. So it's that period of cell division we call cleavage. We all go through it, um, but ours was a long time ago. Cleavage is normal, everyone. Yeah, cleavage is it's normal. It's okay to have cleavage. Yeah. Everybody goes through it. All right, here's a second jargon. I would like you to uh, tell us what is punctuated equilibrium. Wait, could you repeat that? Punctuated equilibrium. It has a short form, punk <laughs> Isn't that helpful? <laughs> oh, well, it, it sounds like some sort of, when you abbreviate it, like punk -ec. It sounds like some sort of class that you would take in middle school. Uh huh. Like, oh, punk egg. <laughs> yeah. No one's relating. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, perhaps. Perhaps. Okay. So equilibrium. That's. I'm. I'm getting from that word. Perhaps something that has to do with balance, in some form. No. Yes. 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 Uh, yes yeah. Okay. So punctuated equilibrium. So that has to do uh, with. Um, Okay, like, like question marks and whatnot. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
Okay, that's about, yeah. So balance of some sort. What, I, what if it's uh, like uh, when something reaches equilibrium, it's punctuated by some larger event happening? Is that like... That, you got it. And you, uh, throw in the process of evolution and, and see if you can take it a little further. So we're like, we're pretending evolution's real for this? <laughs> we will for the sake of this evening and we the rest of my it. life. We'll pretend it's real. <laughs> okay, I, I know this answer from a class I took. Good, good. So I've been waiting for it to come to me. Glad to hear that education's um, kicking in, you know. <laughs> you could you could have gone first and not made us make ourselves look stupid. Uh, you're still you still waiting. I'm still waiting. Far, so. I, I can't even remember what class. That's where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Might have been physics. No. I never took physics. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, so you said it has to do with an evolutionary thing that's similar to what you said, which was, okay, so things are going great. The frogs are at equilibrium. They're hanging out in their cleavage time. <laughs> and in then one another's cleavage. all of a sudden, the big bang happens. <laughs> and then that I'm, I'm, I punctuates the situation. <laughs> I'm going to try and work with that, okay? Please do. It's not the big bang, but um, there's little bangs in evolution, let's say. Um, and you gotta, I guess, start with what Darwin's model. Darwin's idea was the first real credible theory for evolution, and it still is the backbone of evolution theory. But the idea was that species change gradually over time, and they just keep changing and keep changing. And ev all the differences between all the animals and plants that have ever lived are the product of small incremental changes that happen steadily over a long, 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 long period of time. Well, then in the 70s, Stephen Jay Gould and this other guy um, decided that wasn't right. And the reason the fossil record never really showed that, the fossil record never showed gradualism, was that most of the time species stay more or less constant. They're all working, interacting with each other. They're living happily. Everything's in equilibrium. And then suddenly there's some drastic environmental change. And in little parts of the world, little habitats, there's dramatic change, and things change really quickly, and then boom, you've suddenly got new species with new anatomy, new behaviors, and that would be the punctuated part of the equilibrium. So it really was questioning the way people had thought about evolution for the past 110 years. And it's still out there, but nobody really talks about it anymore. We got it, Nick. Sounds like we got it. Yeah, good job. Yes. So we are going to jump and play another game now, and that's the bucket game. Okay? We're gonna really have them work for this one. There you okay. go. So we need... Um, that was a fun noise. No, the bucket is there. It's right there. Yeah. Okay, there the so the bucket game is the following. Uh, our uh, panel will now act out uh, Dr. Rose in his lab. So Dr. Rose is right there. Raise your hand, Dr. Rose. All That's right. me, everyone. Yeah. And we have now two students that are learning how to microtome. Can I things. be Greg? Oh, damn it! <laughs> and, uh, We're both Greg. As, as they go through the uh, daily activities, some stuff will happen there. Oh, what a great day in the lab. I can't wait to slice some frog samples. Hey, doctor. 
Hi, Greg One and Greg Two. How are you doing today? I'm Greg One. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, excuse me. Um, I run this lab, and I decide which one of you is Greg One and Greg Two. I love your so. I love your Honey Smacks shirt. Oh, thank you. Yes, this is a this is a new frog that I will be adding to my talk on history frogs and history um, in the media. So that's exciting. I didn't know about this frog uh, before yesterday. This is a fun new discovery. Are you going to use the microtome on him? Um, I was thinking about it. Yeah. Actually, and then after that, are we gonna try some punctuated um, equilibrium? Well, the only trip I'll take in space is around the sun on the satellite here. I'm changing my course of research, everyone. Surprise! <laughs> that's that's wow. That's a cool. I can't believe none of us noticed that before yeah. you. <laughs> Your will be done, Doctor. Well, I was standing in front of it. Right, that's probably so right. you couldn't see it. I was it really distracted me. by the honey smack shirt. Yeah, oh, it was well, my. It was actually my diversion. Well, I was. I for was this. kind of. I was kind of hoping that maybe you know instead of doing that, that we would um, just agree on the fact that there's no gene for fate. <laughs> oh boy, that was from like. <laughs> um, Greg one and Greg two, could you keep your relationship outside of the lab? This is a professional environment. No. <laughs> you know what? You know why this, not? This is why I not. I don't know why. This is why not. Because blood has no nationality. <laughs> <laughs> I think you both have found some possible research avenues for the future. And you know what I always like to say when I give advice to students like you two Gregs? It's funny. You work so hard and you do everything you can to get away from a place and when you finally get your chance to leave, you find a reason to stay. I've decided to trash this satellite. I can't leave the frogs and especially not the salamanders. <laughs> or the Gregs. Or the Gregs. I'm a clone of him. <laughs> We're okay. in love. Yes, that is evident. Doctor, you want to know how we made a clone? Yes, I, I would really love to know, actually. Well, we realized that they used to say that a child conceived in love has a greater chance of happiness. <laughs> they don't say that anymore, so we were like, let's clone me. That right. was, like, really oddly relevant. Yes, first, before you said they don't say that anymore, I really thought Greg was living in an unhappiness this whole time as your clone. So I'm glad that you are a-okay. I am. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> and, and I'm so happy working here. Oh, this is the, the last, last This is the last one. This is the last thing you get to say, this Greg. This is the last thing. Uh, I'm so happy. Happy because in our research here with the frogs and the salamanders and then for like a minute with the satellite, <laughs> but then, but not that anymore. I not only think that we tamper with mother nature, I think mother wants us to. And in our case, that doesn't really make much sense. In my case, I guess, uh, considering you are my creator. Uh, but I think I get the idea of the saying, uh, even though it doesn't directly apply. This is a punctuated equilibrium situation. From what I'm understanding, <laughs> it has a lot to do with the cleavage 
<laughs> you know, you're right. I've been out cleavaged by a student. I mean, a clone <laughs> student, no less. Well, well, what do we say? We get this microtome fired up. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Does that? I feel like that was like more like a day in the lab than you were anticipating. Yeah, was that no, accurate? Yeah, that it really is. It, it, it summed up a lot of stuff. It did. It brought together a lot of uh, a lot was of very different but uh, relevant things. How, how close were we with the uh, two Gregs, the one which yeah, is the clone of the other, and they're in love? Really Do you have that? Uh, do you, uh, I guess. Is there a clone of you? Do you have a clone? <laughs> There's a first for everything, buddy. If you had a clone, uh, would you fall in love with it? I'd probably hate the bastard on So, uh, did anyone guess where all these quotes are coming from? Does anyone have any idea? Because they do come from a. The movie Interstellar. No. no, but close. Gravity. No. 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 Apollo It's 20 years old. It's a 20 year old movie. Apollo. No. Uh, no. Uh, yes. Oh, well done. Who, who said what it? What was it? Yes. It's all from Gattaca. I was going to say a bug's and, life. And, and if you're really interested in this, we, we watched this in my movie uh, class, Biology in the Movies, just two days ago, and we talked about it today, which was so relevant. It was just <laughs> amazing to hear all these lines being acted out with great dramatic intensity. It was wonderful. That's what we go for. Can you give yeah. us a very quick synopsis of what the movie was uh, like? Gattaca is um, it's about uh, us becoming a... Uh, genetically enhanced species when we have this technology so that in vitro fertilization genetic screening is happening across the board everybody does it nobody thinks about it you end up with a two-class society the genetically enhanced and the the um, degenerates or the their names for the lower class the people who are born through normal reproduction and there's all this discrimination so it's a movie about um, Ethan Hawke as a degenerate trying to get into a, a very prestigious space academy so he can fly to the moon. He has to masquerade. Ethan Hawke is a, a degenerate, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Admit it. This is the movie where he met Uma Thurman, by the way, you know, and then they're married and then uh, oh, wow. they're divorced. Um, so everyone like disagrees uh, with you, Nick. Oh, well, I hate Ethan Hawke, regardless. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know what it is. You might also wonder why we chose that. Mm-hmm subject and uh, the game. Uh, this is because Professor Rose is very interested in how biology plays or you know, how truthfully biology is uh, portrayed, portrayed in, in the movie. He actually wrote uh, refer uh, publications on, on this subject. Uh, and so, um, you know, these scientists, they don't only cut Frogs in the lab. <laughs> they do some <laughs> other things as well. And speaking of which, we're going to move on to the next game, which is called Two Truths and a Lie. And for that, we uh, gave the panel comedian each uh, some facts about our expert. Uh, one of those facts is actually made up by us and two are true. So they're going to read it and we're gonna, they're going to deliberate about which one can be <laughs> with the... Uh, Let's go to round B. Uh, round B. <laughs> round B. <laughs> there we go. Okay, do you want me to start again? Okay. 
Um, so, as a kid, Chris played the usual amount of sports, but also read a lot of books, and in retrospect, studied way too much. Despite this boring beginning, his research activities as an undergraduate and master's student were surprisingly diverse. They include fossil collecting in the Sierra Madres in Mexico, scuba diving in Grand Cayman, Nova Scotia, and Vancouver Island, and going to the bottom of the ocean in a submersible and getting rescued by a helicopter off a deserted island in the Arctic Ocean. Over the course of three university degrees, Chris has taken many, many courses on many different topics. And since he, is always, since he always did very well in them, with the exception of German for reading, they gave him no help in deciding what to pursue as a career. Thus, he is a biologist who is pretty sure he's happier doing, being a scientist than a humanist. But really wishes he could be a filmmaker. Werner Herzog, great figure of the new German cinema, if I pronounce that right, is the new, is the, still the guy whose career Chris envies the most. Uh, uh, mine says, uh, one of the most embarrassing moments of Chris as a biologist happened in a job interview when he was asked to name the best paper ever published on evolution, and he responded the paper on the theory of genetic restriction by Hearth. The interviewer immediately retorted, funny you say that, because I don't ever recall publishing a paper on the theory of genetic restriction, uh, end quote. In his nervousness, Chris had mistakenly attributed authorship of the paper to his interviewer. Oops. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> that's I so, think, yeah. which one is the lie? I think it's mine. I think mine is the lie. I, I, it's too wild to not be true, you know? <laughs> Why would he have been on a deserted island in the Arctic Ocean? Why would he have been? He's a biologist. Well, oh, there's like nothing out there. Never ice mind. frogs. Frogs You're forgetting do not ice frogs. live in that climate. <laughs> Salamanders, maybe, because I know nothing about them, but probably not. Well, I, I mean, like, he went to Harvard, like, and now he's a, you know, an awesome, crazy, cool biologist. So filmmakers can't also be smart and no, educated? I'm saying I doubt he, like, not that he doesn't want to be a filmmaker, but that, you know, that's, that's a pretty, Harvard, that's, that's pretty cool, you know, to go <laughs> so all the way there and filmmaker. hate it the whole time. Well, it d I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So what are your guys' guesses? Because <laughs> I, I haven't. You think it's yours. Yeah. What do you think it's yours? I, I think it could be mine. I think it's Shelby's. I think it's this. Okay, let's I go with Shelby's the then. Film okay. one. Do we all need right. to have a unanimous? No. I'm fine with going you with Shelby's. Okay, so we all. But so you're going you with Shelby's. But you remember that he wrote about biology in the movies, and he's yes. really yeah. into movies. Still, mm. I'm not changing my vote. Yeah. Okay, they're I'm majority, I'm but I'm gonna stick with thinking that this one is the lie. Oh, but right. majority. So rules. two votes for the movies and one vote for the Arctic. Oh wow. And among other things. Among okay, other among things. other things. So, so do I get a prize if they don't get it right? Uh, of course you do. Yeah. Oh well, we wait, can I change my answer now? <laughs> no. <laughs> can I change no. it now? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Do tell us tell us what is the Which lie. Which is the lie? And then we're gonna talk about the truth. Yours is the lie, Nick. You were on a deserted island in the Arctic Ocean? Of Wait, course you went to Harvard. We of stopped for lunch, was. 
and couldn't get the engine of the boat started. I was there, I was there as, as an undergrad just to help this guy collect bivalves. And we're driving around. Nobody told us any better. We're in this little Boston whaler. It's about a 12-foot boat. And we're driving all over the Arctic Ocean, you know, about t uh, 5, 10 miles offshore. And we stop on this little island and have lunch. And then we couldn't get the engine started. And then we put the radio together and realized, boy, if we had had this problem when we were out in the water, we're dead. But anyways, we put the radio together. They phoned to this research station. Four miles away, saw this little helicopter go up, zoom up shore, zoom down shore. And I climbed to the top of the island and just waved. I'm wearing a big orange suit, and so just waved. Eventually, this helicopter came right to me and sort of landed. And one of the most terrifying moments of my life was he landed and waved me over. So I come over, and I open the door and climb in. And he immediately takes off. And it's this bubble type thing. So you see the ground right below you. But as he's doing this, he says, you left your door open. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. And so, and I don't even have the seatbelt on, right? And I'm opening this door, because the seatbelt's dangling outside. Right. I'm opening the door, reaching for this dangling seatbelt, and slam it shut. And then he continues on In his way. In the air. And so, yeah. Wow. And, but, and then we go back to the station at about 50 feet off the ground. And that was the most exciting ride ever. <laughs> so what did you do at the bottom of the ocean then? As a master's student, my advisor was regularly doing trips, or trying to get money to do trips down to hot vents in the middle of the uh, Pacific Ocean. And since I was at that time going to work on an animal that came from the hot vents, I was entitled to go on one of these little side trips. It wasn't to the bottom of the, uh, the Pacific Ocean, it was in a fjord went down about 650 meters. And it was pretty dark and pretty muddy and pretty dull down there. There was like three types of animals that I saw. And I guess it didn't inspire me to stick doing that research. I somehow decided it would be more exciting to be in the lab. <laughs> That's, I ended up changing direction entirely from ecology and uh, became a, a lab developmental biologist, evolutionary biologist. Hey, you can still Switch your major. Yeah. Oh, you can keep changing between degrees. You get one degree doing, I mean, the, the undergraduate was coral reef stuff, and then the, the master's was, um, uh, well, it wasn't deep vent. It ended up being stuff I could dive and collect myself around Vancouver Island. And then um, Harvard, it was just driving out all day around southern uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, western Mass, collecting salamanders, stopping in the woods, finding a stream, sitting there, collecting salamanders. So if you were to make a movie, it would be something about a bizarre human experience. A really individual, yeah. Um, the, it could uh, be about the time you were in the Arctic. Oh. Yeah, that, was, that had a happy ending. It would only really be exciting if it didn't have a happy ending. <laughs> well, the audience doesn't know that it ended happily. Yeah, I happily. know. Yeah. I know. Um, we definitely got scolded a lot uh, when we got back. <laughs> That's not happy. <laughs> That's definitely unfair. No lunch it, for you. It occurred to us that what we were doing was really dumb. Although we were there for a scientific purpose, we were driving around in a little boat uh, with just one engine, a radio that had to be assembled. And had we ever been swamped by a big wave, that would have been the end of us, unless we floated around until somebody found us. But it was the Arctic. That's not too likely to happen. How about some applauses for Pretty. our comedians? The next one of these, I'll be 
you guys can demystify me. Sure, sure. We'll, we'll do that for sure, no and doubt. And maybe another round of applause is for our expert. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. And if you laughed at least once today, you need to go and like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and you're going to find out about the next events. And we can even post some other fancy things about some other experts and some other types of science. So hey, why not? Stay in touch. All right? There's a mystery to untangle Using comedy as our angle We'll reveal the quest of a special guest With a little jesting We'll be demystifying the expert Using laughter as our guide Demystifying the expert Till our questions have been satisfied And the expert has been well demystified